C, A, B, 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 C, Welcome everyone to Uppy in the Stash. I'm your host, Uppy. With me as always is Donovan Mustache. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Mr. I don't. I don't sound well, <laughs> but I am well. Um, unfortunately, mean? I had the flu over the weekend, and um, while I'm no longer feverish, um, my voice still suffers from the effects. But what I'm really curious is, what is that in your hand? Well, I've graduated... I've gone to just uh, vodka with a uh, twist of lime. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um, it's, a, it's an old man's drink, I guess you would say. Nice. Well, hey, can't go wrong for a, a Tuesday. Um, tonight, tonight I'm drinking a beer um, that sounds very fitting. Um, it's called The Confused Therapist. It's a hazy, um, I think it's a hazy triple IP. I don't know. But it's strong, and it's my first real drink in almost a week, so it's actually hit me pretty hard, and I kind of like it. <clears throat> Good. Maybe I got to bring some of that therapist down here when you oh, come in. Oh, here. I will. I will. Believe me, in, in two months, you're going to know all about Dust Bowl. Like, I've been talking about it, I think, just about every show we've had so far. But, yeah, it, it is traveling with us when we come visit in two months, for sure. It'll be great. Uh, can't wait. Okay. So, um, so I go on, sir. This, this was actually yeah, your inspiration. So excuse I'll, I'll, me. I'll, I'll, I will, yeah, yeah. I will let you introduce. This was your inspiration today. So set us up. Okay. So, you know, we all like to take a drive home and, or when on the way to work or wherever it is we're going, we tend to find that one song that hits the sweet spot and we hit repeat. And so today's inspiration is that that's top three of your repeats. And um, this is kind of cool because when you think about your repeat songs, this is the, you know, you're generally when you're alone in the car type of stuff or if you happen to maybe carpool or if you're that unlucky few, you got to sit there and listen to that damn song again that your friend played twice and here you are number three, right? You know, so it's it's that one more time type of song. <laughs> so um, so I guess I'll, I'll start off on my, um, we'll start off with number three on uh, which song I've been listening to quite a bit. And um, as most of you know, or as at least uh, Uppy knows, that I'm not a big fan of today's music, but I do listen to today's music. So you will get a hint of one of those in my top three. So I'll just let you know that now. <laughs> However, there is one song that I, I happen to hear here on the radio, driving home on our little local station here. And uh, it caught my attention again. And I downloaded it back onto my itunes and it was um bob marley's i shot the sheriff oh okay okay (laughs) i didn't know where you're going with that but it's cool you just you know i heard it on the radio and i said damn this is a this is a good song i haven't heard in a while and man i just i come Mm. home and i just blast it i just started bobbing as soon as you mentioned i started bobbing around like i didn't shoot the deputy right oh god he just started going yeah, there's a little bass line in there, but boom, boom, boom. Mm. 
boom 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 it's good i love it i play it i turn it up all the way i roll the windows down it can be minus 40 in moreno valley mm. which it never is but i'd still <laughs> i'd still roll the window down and and and, and play it so See, that's my number three for my top three repeats that is a classic because that was one of those songs that um i remember kids when i was young which is honestly about the same time you were young i'm not much older than you um, people quoted that song all the time. I never heard it once in my life, but people talked about it. So, classic, classic, classic. There's yeah, a reason why it keeps it's, coming back. It's, it's the Bob. It's the Bob Marley mm-hmm. classic, though. Not not the Eric Clapton because I'm not. I'm not gonna say Eric Clapton didn't do a great job. Eric Clapton did a great job at uh, coming up with um doing his version of the song. Mm. However, just the Bob Marley version of it is just it's my my all-time favorite and when it comes on i'll turn it up i don't care who's listening or who's not listening or right. who's out there you got to you got to hear it and right. i'll probably play it three times before i even get home wow so what's your number three my Mr. number Ruppy? three is the newest like it's the most recent of my three songs and um, i can't avoid the political aspect of it and um it's hard for me to have a music list of anything that doesn't include green day and uh, here it is, um, "Back in the USA" by Green Day. Um, you know, I, I just I, I can't regurgitate the lyrics on the spot right now, but I, go listen to it. Look up the lyric. Don't even listen to the song if you don't want to. Just look at the lyrics. I think it kind of, I don't know. I think it kind of hits home um, about our current political climate in our country, especially with uh, our uh, religious right. You know, lyrics talking about how every church can have a liquor store. You know, how unchristian yeah. our Christians have gotten. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you guys noticed yet, but uh, he's a big uh, Green Day fan. Um, and I love Green Day. You love Green Day. Everybody loves Green Day. Yeah. But it seems like you're the biggest of the Green Day fans. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm one of those. <laughs> hey, I... I did my due diligence i only made it number three it's not like i made it number one again it's not like i made all three green day songs no (laughs) but you are right i mean i i'm like the biggest green day fan of all the green day fans i know yeah you are you definitely and i'm okay with that because they're the best no yeah no they're great and uh and if you're uh if you're out there guys uh episode two um, the very end there, I go. I uh, gave us a little uh, musical sweetness for your ears, and I played uh, one of Uppy's favorite songs. Cover songs. Um, we Are the Champions mm-hmm. cover songs by Green Day, and that was our uh, closing for episode two, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. That, and, and you know what? I honestly got to say, it's, he, he did a really good job. There's a lot of people that tried to go out there and, and, and pull off um, a Queen song, and you you really can't. But no. he really did his his due diligence, and he didn't try to do over the top. He didn't try to like make it seem like he made the song up himself. He really just sang the song as he probably sang in the car one hundred million times before, you know. And and that that's what was cool about listening to that Green Day version of um, We Are yeah, the Champions. You know, I I would I always not I don't want to get us too far off subject, but um, like so my my friend Brent Liberty from the Idiot Fail podcast. Him and I have been doing this little uh, drunk song of the night game for years now. And uh, 
you know, he usually starts it because, you know, he's three hours in the future. He's on the East Coast. And one night I sent him that song. And he says, you know, I didn't know what to think at first, but that was awesome. You know, like, so that was like a non-Green Day fan speaking. It's like, hey, that was awesome. So That was great. That was great. So how about your All number right, two? So we're on to number two. And uh, Uppy might roll his eyes when I say this, but is it actually, it's a country song from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> an acceptable decade for I don't country. Know. Actually, I don't know if it's how 90s it is, uh, to be honest with you. I, I I may need to look to see, because it may not be that 90s. It might be like the late 90s, maybe even early 2000s. And so correct me if I'm wrong out there. Um, and this one, this one I heard recently uh, within these last four or five months. But it is still a song that I kind of just uh, when I take my son, you know, to to and fro from uh, the grandparents' house. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite a quite a bit of a drive um, through some hills and canyons and whatnot, and it's actually a nice drive. I don't mind it at all because it's the, even if I have to sit in a little bit of traffic, mm-hmm. I got beautiful green hills to look at. So, um, but it's a Kenny Chesney song, and it's called "You and Tequila." Uh, and it's uh, featuring Grace Potter. It's a very beautiful song, actually, and it, it's actually a, a pretty cool love song. I don't know if I actually will blare it out super loud if I'm driving down the streets, but through the canyons, it's not so bad. Um, and it's a great song because, you know, there's there's lines in there about how, you know, um, you and tequila make me crazy, you know, run like poison in my blood. Um, it's it's good. It's a it, kind of compares the love of his life to the other love of his life which is tequila <laughs> you know and so it's it's um it's 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 good because at the end of the song um he says um you know one more night could kill me baby one more night is too one is one too many one more is never enough you and tequila make me crazy that's beautiful no, that's endearing that's a great song to dance to, and, right? And, and for those who are wondering, I did not roll my eyes. <laughs> not this time. He, yeah, he he hates that I like all these country songs. Well, well, when you and, said Kenny Chesney, and if Chesney, you've ever seen me, yeah, if you ever seen me in person, I'm about as about as dark as they come to midnight. So and here I am liking, <laughs> well, <laughs> liking Kenny Chesney. Song. Well, when you said that, I, like my ears perked up. I'm like, well, I might actually know this one, but no, I don't know that one, but. It actually sounds like his best song ever, though. It's good. It's a great song. I'll have to definitely look it up. That sounds sweet. Yeah, you'll like it. Uh, you know what? You can dance with Mrs. Uppy to that song when, you know, you guys get an opportunity to. Oh, nice. Yeah. So what is your number two? My number two is by the band Toadies, Miss Possum Kingdom. Yeah. I can't help but to repeat on that one. Uh, I, I think what draws me to the song is, is it's obviously super creepy. Like, it's a creepy song. And I think what even draws me more to it is the fact that I, like, looked up the uh, the music video for the song. And I hate to say it, like, this is, like, probably the straight libel shit. But he looks the part. He looks like the, the lead singer, at least in that yeah. time. He looked like the kind of guy who might do something like that. So. Right. He looked, that is a great yeah. freaking song, man. I was actually just listening tonight. Do tonight, you on repeat. Wanna die. Yep. 
do, do you wanna die? Oh yeah, that's a that's a great that you play that one and never right. any any true '90s kid will get up and start just you know rocking it out. And I just love that. So song. help me Jesus part. I don't know why, but yeah, I, I can't not. It's a great song. Hit repeat on that one. Yeah, uh, it's it definitely has that um, tone to it. That because you heard it once, and maybe if you were having a beer or two and you were feeling good, mm. you're like, one more time, w- right. one more time. That was such a great song, right. right? You know, from beginning to end. Yeah, I can see that one. I like it. Yeah. So, my number one, I'm going a little bit more um, new school, like oh. super new school, o- ultimate like new current? school. Current? Very current, very current. And, and this actually goes out to. Um, uh, to a uh, little stash junior out here that I have at home. And um, it's the Sunflower song, not the Sunflower song, but the name of the song is called Sunflower. Mm-hmm. It's by a, like Post Malone and another guy. I can remember his name. It's from the Spider-Man soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And that song, you know, my son and I, have we saw, the, saw parts of the movie and whatnot. And he's a big Spider-Man fan. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, he heard the song and he thought it was super cool. And mind you, he's a toddler still. Right. So, uh, and and you know, I downloaded it on my phone. And when when we're driving, you know, to and fro, I'd play it for him, and he loves it. And so that's my song on repeat that nice. I'm forced to listen to, but I still enjoy. It. enjoy it's it, a yeah. really good song. Yeah, it's a really good song though. It's not it's not too bad. I mean, it's it's poppy. It's a, mm. you know, so you you, you got to give it that dues of it, but right. It's still a really good song. So, yeah, I think the first song I ever downloaded um, on the kids' behalf was uh, "Radioactive" by Imagine Dragons. It's, it's still, uh, it's still so bad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they only liked it because it was in a video game, but it's it was still a good song. I was happy that I could play it for them in the car once we had modern technology right. like Bluetooth. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. You didn't, you didn't have to put in a cassette tape. No, not this time. No, <laughs> not even an auxiliary cable. I don't know. Um, yeah, okay, so my number one is by Toad the Wet Sprocket, and it's All I Want. I couldn't tell you what I've year that song that came song. out. What? I don't think I've ever heard that song All unless I unless I unless you feel this way. I don't know. It, no. I, I have to say it's 90s. I, I, you know, I'm going to look it up on my phone right now. But it just brings me back. I, I want to say 90s. Let me see. Toad. The Wet Sprocket. Great band name, by the way. I just it definitely if it wasn't a 90s song I would be like shocked because it has 90s written all over it 1991 yeah that's like mm. little uppy riding the school bus kind of music and it just it takes me back there I don't know I have probably heard it you had to have I just have to hear it again to go that's the name of the song all I want to feel this way, be this close. Listen. 
Is what I, I don't know. I can't. Memphis I can't sing anyways. I can't. I especially can't sing now. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. This is. <laughs> I, thank I God, this is not a a podcast of you singing because we would be losing listeners um, before we had even gained them. Right. So, all right. I'm pretty sure we are the only <laughs> listeners. My mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is a, my mother-in-law is a hardcore fan. She, she. Wait, wait a minute. My sister's gonna be on this pretty soon, and so will my wife. So we're gonna be, we'll be three deep. <laughs> <laughs> but there's only one first, and it is my mother-in-law. I, I will brag about. <laughs> Your mother-in-law is our biggest fan. I gotta get the Patreon account out there so she mm. can donate her one dollar to our <laughs> to our cause, <laughs> so we can say we had at least one person. Right. So. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, so that's my number one. That's, I mean, I actually, I told you pre-show, I actually could have done a top five on this, but you vetoed that idea. So. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's go one more. Let's go, let's go, uh, let's try it. Let's do one more. What is your, what is, what is, like, a bonus round? Bonus. Bonus, oh, man. We could have done a you top You gotta make 10. it good, because it's a bonus, though. It's a good, okay. You got to make it really good because it's bonus. This is like like, like if you're dying in the street, laying in the gutter type of thing. All right. What is the song that you're going to play on repeat at your funeral type of thing? You know? It's not going to be that, but it'll be um, it'll be what would have been number three before I bumped it for Green Day. How about that? Okay. And that song okay. what was is that? By the Offspring, The Kids Aren't All Right. Another 90s That's... Song. That was that was song. literally I considered putting it number two, and then I eventually bumped it for Green Day, because um, Green Day is a better band. But that's neither here nor there. But yeah, the kids aren't all right by Offspring. I, I is to expand beyond to go beyond the whole repeat aspect. It is one song mm-hmm. I consistently over the years can't even skip. Like if it comes up on shuffle on my iPhone when I'm at work, I can't skip it ever. I have to listen to it. And that says something. That is a great song on the Kids on a Ride. They um, have a great uh, soundtrack for the 90s. Mm. I feel like maybe close to the 2000s, they got a little bit poppy. Yeah. Um, and the, but they were that the album was close of the to 90s. It. That, that came off the Americana album. Which I believe mm-hmm, was late nineties, mm-hmm. probably ninety nine. So that that was like the one that transitioned into that whole pop thing. But that, yeah, I remember. I just it was one of those things where I bought it and I just listened to the whole album like on loop. It was a good talk. What's the name of the song where he goes? Well, I scream into the sky, and I feel, and, and it feels like. Heaven so far away. Yeah, that I one. Think it's that gone one's away. a good one. I that, think it's gone away. Yeah, that one. That one's a good one. If you um, listen to the lyrics, whoever's out there, listen to the lyrics on that one, and that one, you know, put the feels on you. You know, you, you you're you're gonna feel that because uh, yeah, it's a definitely a song about a situation he's probably dealt with in his life, mm-hmm. and then he wrote it, and he wrote a great song for it. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, he wrote a great song for it. So. That's one of my favorite '90s of the Offspring, where I feel like they were very mm. like uh, still rock and rollish. They weren't being told what to write. Right. Um, um, well, also the Freeway song, you know. All right. Um, hey, you man, you know I'm gonna 
okay with the gun in my hand won't tell you the same. <laughs> right. Right? I don't, I don't know a single <laughs> person who doesn't love that song. I'm like, he was alive. Damn. Man, let me tell you, have you ever pissed off on the freeway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. have you ever pissed off on the, have you ever just mad ever in your life and you want to listen to a song, don't listen to that song while you're driving because you might shoot somebody. Can I, can I? You might take that step. Let me, can I uh, go off topic while you think about your bonus song? Speaking of that song directly, okay, so um, for those who don't know, which is probably most of our audience, I grew up in Pennsylvania and, um. We moved out here when I was, so I was born in 82. We moved out here in 90, 1996. So I was 14 when we moved. But um, my grandparents um, on my mom's side are actually down Donovan's Way. They were from West Covina. And um, we visited them three times when I was growing up, like before we moved here. And I think that last time we visited, um, that was a hit song at the time. And me and my sister... Um, the one that lives here in California still. Uh, we were out in the back, like their backyard on vacation, listening to her like Discman, because, you know, that was a thing back then in the 90s, the Discmans. Yeah. And we were like, listen, they're like, we're singing at the top of our lungs. So like, we're singing those songs. And then like the next day, our grandpa comes up to us and like says, the neighbors complained we were being too loud. <laughs> <laughs> Duh, it's the fucking 90s. But, but you know what, though? But the other thing is, too, in our defense, we grew up near the country, in the country, in western Pennsylvania, so uh, we knew not what city life was all about. We were all about wide open spaces. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, in the 90s, I grew up in the city, so <laughs> I didn't... I didn't um, um, know of anything else you know of outside spaces Mm -hmm. like that because that's where i lived i lived in an area where across the street was a a a fire station Mm -hmm. and so we heard the fire trucks go by all all the time right by morning day and night Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a pretty much a thorough way from um where we lived to the other end of um monterey park so Mm -hmm. So it was actually, you know, I I don't I didn't know anything else except for what it meant to live on a busy street and mm-hmm. take the bus and whatever. So. Right. But um, I, I think uh, uh, '90s rock was really what got me through mm. that er- era. I listened to hip hop as well at the time, but '90s rock was my thing. It my was a great time. Would, for that's rock what we listened music. to. Just it was all of it. Oh my gosh! You're talking. Um, some of the best um, <clears throat> bands and artists were coming out at the time that really shaped 90s, um, that moved it out of the 80s hair band mm-hmm. to really true 90s, uh, grunge, Nirvana, you know. Pearl Jam. Uh, Pearl Jam type of stuff. Pearl Jam, a lot of people might have felt were, were pushed down the, their throat, but uh, it was still a great time for rock and roll. If you're a 90s kid, like, Uppy and I, more 90s, which will bring me to my bonus round song. And it's going to be uh, Bullet with the Butterfly's Wings. Nice. Uh, by nice. Smashing Pumpkins. So we're going to go there. The world is, is a, a vampire. Right? That's awesome choice. Yeah, that is. Dude, you hear that song and you're like, okay, it's time to fucking get down. 
Alexander. What, what was better back then than Melancholy and Infinite Sadness? Like, wow. Dude, that was a double disc CD. That mm-hmm. was a double. Okay, so for you, for you, uh, you youngins out there, it was a double disc CD. Okay, they couldn't fit all the fucking songs onto one CD. It had to be two CDs for that whole album, which was was fucking cool in the nineties, right? Because right? <laughs> you're like, hey, it's a, I, I I brought the Smashing Pumpkins album with me, you know? Right. It, it was it was awesome. There was a lot of cool songs tonight, nineteen eighty nine. There was all kinds of freaking... I think my outside favorite from that was Tonight Tonight. It could have been maybe because the uh, music video was so out there. It was weird. For our younger audience that we may or may not have, um, back then the music video kind of meant everything. You kind of had to Mm -hmm. have it. Mm -hmm. And it was just, uh, yeah, go on YouTube, look it up. But I mean, Bolt with Butterfly Wings was the marquee song, but... I think there's at least six solid hits from the whole thing. At least. Yeah. Maybe. Well, was this, this is around the same time when um, other bands like Soundgarden and Bush also had to come out just as hard. So it wasn't mm. like, it wasn't like who was hardest. It was like keeping up with it. Like mm. if you were going to come out as a grunge band, if you were going to be Nirvana and doing Teen Spirit, mm. you know, you had to come out. You had to be this cool band and, you know, keep the grunge thing alive and keep it super dark, keep it super, like, heavy. Mm-hmm. And it had to have a little of everything, you know? And so 90s was it, man. 90s was it was a good era for modern rock and roll. I'm not talking classic 60s, 70s stuff. No. This was good modern rock and roll, you know? Well, I have to say, like, I wasn't the biggest Nirvana fan. I mean, they obviously have their place in history. Um, but Mrs. Uppy and I were up in Seattle um, back in early 20s. But actually, based on my Facebook memories, about this time, but back in 2016, before little Uppy was born. And um, yeah. we went to that, uh, gosh, that museum up there by the Space Needle. I forget what it's called. But it had a ton of Nirvana stuff in it. And it was just amazing to go through yeah. and just look at all the artifacts, the handwritten notes, whatever. Like, And again, like I said, I'm not a huge Nirvana fan. Like, I'm pretty convinced that they are mostly only as famous as they are just because Kurt Cobain died. Like, He wasn't died. He was murdered. Either way. He was murdered. Either way, if he, he was, was still murdered. alive, I don't think they'd be as revered today if he was still alive. That's my only point. You you, you, you might... Okay, I'll give you this much. You, you might... You, I'll give you 10% of a point out of 100. <laughs> okay. Still a slim, but you're, you're right. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll adjust that. He's 70. Because, and I'll say this much because death makes um, artists mm-hmm. famous. From everybody, from Janis Joplin to the Doors, mm-hmm. right? The minute that you die at the um, pinnacle of your f- fame, people love you. It's um, it's the same saying as like leave when people love you, not when they hate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and, that's you know that's what happens, and, right? And unfortunately, so, he didn't get a chance to live long enough to maybe put out a bad record. You know, that's all I'm saying. No, and if he no, and if then, he still liked today, he probably could have put out a bunch of crap, and people like yeah, I remember back when he was actually good. You know. When they were great, yeah. right? Um, but 
one of their best selling albums is not even um, 90% of the work that they did, mm-hmm. which was the MTV Unplugged. Mm. That, that was awesome. That though. album. That album right there, because um, I have the vinyl album of that. Mm-hmm. It's it's the Meat Puppets. You know, well, most of their songs that they're doing is from the Meat Puppets, or they're doing renditions of other songs, mm-hmm. and only a couple of their songs that they wrote together as a band. But when you listen to that album right there, you can you can really hear the talent of that band, because it's not just Kurt Cobain, but it's the guys that are from Foo Fighters, right? Um, Dave Grohl. Who is really leading help help leading that part of the band of you know, um, great artist skills and guitar and the bass and there's a violin in there. There's all kinds of stuff. It's the unplugged series in the '90s was probably um, something that people are gonna miss. You know that mm-hmm. I wish they would bring that back. Um, well, you know they they sort of have that same concept now called the Tiny Desk Concert by NPR. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they do the same thing now, uh, but what was cool about the '90s was that you know, it was huge. It was a thing. You actually got to see sort of this concert, and it was only maybe 200 people, mm-hmm. you know, in that venue, the unplugged, and they truly went unplugged, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, you know, there was the only Nirvana song I have in my iTunes is from that unplugged, and it's "Where Did You Sleep Last Night." That's a good one. That's a great one. They did David Bowie's. Mm. Um, they did David. They did a Dave, David Bowie song, and that was great. Um, the Meat Puppets um, song. You got it. You have to listen. Just listen to the album from beginning mm. to end. It's really cool. That's a really great album. Penny Royalty. Um, you know. Come as you are. They did a great love song. Let me see if I can look it up here about what. There's another one um, that they did. Uh, MTV Unplugged. As we're here because we're live and we can do this. <laughs> because that'll be the next step is like I, I listen to some podcasts where they talk about like they're on Twitch or something where people yeah. can actually like watch <laughs> them too. I was like, really? Watch them as they're doing it. Okay, so there's a song called "Dumb" mm-hmm. by by Nirvana. Okay, and it is a really great song. And the lyrics of the song <clears throat> this this is why I encourage people to actually maybe even look up lyrics or listen to songs uh, albums from beginning to end so that you kind of get the essence of their album. Um, and this is something I've been picking up in the last five years. Um, okay Um, and so look I'm just going to read you the lyrics of this song because it's really cool okay this is Anthony's poetry hour we're going to do this <laughs> spoken word alright it's our spoken word okay I'm not like them but I can pretend the sun is gone but I have a light the day is done but I'm having fun I think I'm dumb, or maybe just happy. Think I'm just happy. Think I'm just happy. Think I'm just happy. My heart is broke, but I have some glue. Help me inhale and mend it with you. We'll float around and hang out on clouds. Then we'll come down and hang a hand and hand and have a hangover. 
Have a hangover. Have a hangover. Skin the sun. Fall asleep. Wish away. The soul is cheap. Lesson learned. Wish me luck. Soothe the burn. Wake me up. I'm not like them, but I can pretend. The sun is gone. I have a light. The day is done, but I'm having fun. I think I'm dumb. Snap, snaps. Can't snap my fingers, <laughs> so you all know I can't snap my fucking fingers. <laughs> but when you hear that song, it's an amazing song when they do it on that uh, on Un- unplugged. It's a very beautiful song. I really that's cool. Down. I'm glad we did this little. I'm glad we did our top three because we got yeah. to talk about some good '90s stuff, man. Right. Before right. we get into heavy hitter. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of the heavy hitter. Um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get right on the heavy hitter topic. See you soon. Make up your mind. Decide to walk with me around the lake tonight. Around the lake tonight. And welcome up, everybody. We're going to jump straight into some serious political and policy debate of 2019. So as you all know, uh, the Mueller report has been released to the Department of Justice. Uh, Congress is getting their version of it. Uh, not their version, but Congress is getting their uh, re- report as well, their copy of it as well, so the, the, the different congressional committees as well as the different um, Senate committees. And um, just prior to the release of the report, Congress voted overwhelmingly for to make it public. The Senate has not agreed to make it public um, as of now. They didn't vote, nor they did not um, come up with an idea to make it public. Just as of now, they did not have an idea of whether they wanted to. We all know that um, Mitch McConnell's a Republican shill, and this is what he does, and um, and he he protects his power at all costs. And so don't don't ever think that uh, McConnell's on your side whatsoever. And uh, just a side note for those Kentuckians, uh, uh, Kentucky Connect was a um, the plan that then the Democratic governor of Kentucky came up with to um, infuse the um, uh, the Obamacare into Kentucky without calling it Obamacare. And it saved a lot of lives and it, it enhanced the, you know, health care for thousands and thousands of Kentuckians at the time. They did not know it was Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, as I should say. And um, he was credited, uh, the Kentucky governor was credited for that. And they loved it. It was very popular. People went to the doctors. They got to see, uh, get their medicine that they needed. Lives were saved. Um, but McConnell, as a true Republican that as he is, uh, not even Republican. He's he's a just a political hack. Okay, he he's not about principle. He's about hanging on to power. Decided at the time that uh, he was going to campaign against Obamacare, which 
his state was a big beneficiary of, and they voted for him to 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 basically repeal Obamacare, right? The Affordable Care Act that they all benefited from. And so what happens? They lose their health care. That's the type of guy that he is, okay? So just want to put that out there. However, there's a lot of hay and smoke out there about what the Mueller report was supposed to do, what their charge was. So I think it's good that as Uppy in the stash that we go back to basics on what was exactly um, asked of from this special investigation. And so what um, Uppy in the stash decided to do was uh, to read a newscast from EmptyWheel.com. This is Marcy Wheeler's uh, personal um, website that she has. And she has been one of the most truest, if not independent, uh, journalists about the Mueller report um, and the investigation since the inception. And so I conclude Marcy Wheeler's uh, Empty Wheel article. As I have noted, the William Barr memo everyone is reading to clear Trump and his flunkies of conspiracy with Russia actually only clears the Trump campaign and those associated with it of conspiring or coordinating with the Russian government in its effort to hack into computers and disseminate emails for purpose of influencing the election. The exoneration doesn't even extend to coordinating with WikiLeaks as Roger Stone's allege to have done. More significantly, it is silent about whether Trump and his flunkies conspired with Russia in a quid pro quo trading election assistance and a real estate deal for policy considerations, the very same kind of election year shenanigans Barr covered up once before in the Iran-Contra. And that's important because it means Barr and Rod Rosenstein have even cleared Trump of Rosenstein hired Mueller to investigate. Jim Comey first described the investigation to include one, the Russian government's effort to interfere in the 2016 election, the nature of any links between individuals associated with the Trump campaign and the Russian government, three, whether there was any coordination between the campaign and Russian efforts. When Rosenstein appointed Mueller, he referenced Comey's statement but specifically mentioned just bullets two and three in its mandate, combining those two bullets into that into one that, unlike Comey's original statement, was limited to just the Russian government, not Russia's effort generally. Any and or coordination between uh, Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign of President Donald Trump in May 2017, Rosenstein hired Mueller, and according to public reports through November 2017, the investigation into the hack and leak remained elsewhere at Department of Justice. When the FBI raided Paul Manafort on July 27th in 2017, a raid Rosenstein almost certainly approved personally. They were looking for evidence on the June 9th, 2016 meeting in support of an investigation into accepting campaign contributions from foreigners or conspiracy to do so. 
There was no mention of whatsoever of the probable cause that Manafort had helped Russia hack Hillary Clinton. Six months after the raid, Mueller had learned that two months after the June 9th meeting, on August 2nd, 2016, Manafort shared Trump's polling data with Kazanstein Kilimik at a meeting where he also discussed a Ukrainian peace deal that would amount to sanction relief. Manafort lied about what happened at the meeting, and in Andrew Wiseman's opinion, he lied in hopes of getting a Trump pardon. When the Mueller report states, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities, it does so after Manafort refused to explain why he shared the polling data or whether he knew whom Konstantin Kilimik was sharing it with and significantly whether he had reason to believe that either Kilimik himself or Oleg Derspaka, near neither themselves part of the Russian government, but Derspaka unquestioningly with close ties to it would share the data with the GRU hackers who were still hacking Hillary Clinton. And yet, the only links and or coordination that Barr and Rosenstein addressed involved an agreement tactic or expressed between the Trump campaign and the Russian government on election interference. Because, because of Trump's obstruction, we don't know whether Manafort entered an agreement with Kilmanick to trade sanctions relief for election assistance. But even if he did, it would not qualify as coordination with the Russian government. It would qualify as coordination with a cutout of the Russian government. Likewise, we don't know if Don Jr. agreed to visit uh, sanctions relief after Natalia Velenchenka and the Algroff family offered dirt on Hillary. But Don Jr. wasn't even officially part of the campaign, and while Velenchenka and Algaroff both have almost inseparably from the Russian government, they are not the Russian government, and therefore would not qualify under that standard. The nature of Manafort's links to the Russian government via Kilimik and Don Jr.'s links to the Russian government via Velenchenka and Agrof are squarely within Mueller's mandate as laid out by Rosenstein. And those links are pretty fucking sketchy and possibly criminal, but quite possibly for reasons distant from hack and leak. But by limiting the evaluation of the memo to whether the campaign coordinated directly with Russia on the hack and leak and not whether the links to Russia that Mueller discovered were criminally suspect, Rosenstein, with Barr, is not addressing one part of the job he hired Mueller to do. That's all the more true given the way that Barr, in consultation with Rosenstein, determined that Trump did not obstruct justice. An explicit part of Mueller's mandate was to investigate the links between his campaign and Russia, including the link through Kilimink to Nebraska, through him the Russian government, According to Weissman, Trump's actions led Manafort to refuse to explain those links and conspiring with Barr to give Trump all clear. Rosenstein didn't address a significant part of the job he gave Mueller.
That is the article that she wrote. What do you think, Uppy? Um, it's a lot to digest there. Um, the, the the thing that um, that has perplexed me since Sunday when all this news started coming out was um, apparently Mueller, like, moving off the collusion part of it, but the obstruction part of it, um, Mueller didn't particularly make a conclusion one way or the other, but Barr took it upon himself to make that conclusion. But isn't it Congress's decision to make whether there was obstruction of justice or not? Like, why is Barr coming? I mean, we all get that he's a fixer in all this. He he he's the one who was put there for this reason. But yeah. He, his 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 job is the fixer. Mm. We've seen that movie with. Um, um, well, there's always there's always that one movie where that guy comes in and he fixes the situation because mm. that's what he does. Whether he's a lawyer, or mm. an assassin, or whatever, right? His job is that. His job is exactly that. He's a fixer. He comes in. He's done this before because he did this with Ronald Reagan about what is um, executive prerogative, Mm -hmm. what can be considered executive prerogative, and then how to apply that standard. So he's William Barr has come up with this idea of how to apply this standard since the 1980s. And so just history repeats itself. So all he's doing essentially is just reapplying the standard and saying, just exactly how this happened in the 1980s when we were mm. covering up war crimes. This is how we cover it up this way, right? But here's the note of it, though, right? Because what we are not seeing sometimes through this is um, uh, what was the general's name again that just was prosecuted? Uh, Flynn. Excuse Flynn, me, Michael yeah. Flynn. Well, during the Flynn. During Flynn's testimony and then during Flynn's um, time that he was actually being tried at the end of it and giving his his sentence, um, the judge said, you you committed treason, mm. right? He, he said it out loud so that the court can hear it and, and make it public that what Flynn did was treason. And so just to recap, what Flynn did was that during the time that Obama was still in office, okay, excuse me, President Obama was still in office, okay, so we'll keep this politically correct, he was touching, he was reaching out to political figures on the other end and talking about sanctions relief or how to, you know, get skirt this policy, mm-hmm. right? And he was committing treason in a sense against his government saying, don't worry, once we get in there, things will be different, and the judge questioned that, and he he questioned the government, saying, "Why aren't you trying this guy for treason? You know, for what he was doing." Mm-hmm. Mike Flynn committed treason. He's just, he, he's he's an agent of the government, committing treason. You know, you know, going against the current government on those things. Now, whether I think it's truly treason or not, that's not my say, or our say, right? That's mm-hmm. totally a different opinion. But these are the things that have happened. What's 
what sucks is this. No one's gotten life. Not even Manafort, right? The guy's old. He, what is he, um, 70? Mm-hmm. And um, he still has one more hearing coming up, whether he's going to get more years or not. Yeah, you got to um, slap on, on the wrist for the first one, pretty much. Very light, yeah, yeah. very light couple of years, because he's going to do only half of what... Remember, they're only going to do half of what they got. Right. Okay? And he'll be back at it again. What's good about Manafort is this, so that he's old. So even if they give him 15 and he gets seven, that's still seven on top of the other four. So mm. let's say he does two, that's 10 years. He'll be 80-something by the time he gets out, which is kind of old, okay? Really old in the sense of life now. Plus, prison tends to age you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's not going to walk out of there looking like a fucking young man. No. All right, then look like he's 36 years old. Um, and he's lost, and um, he's been exposed. Yeah. What financial gain does he have? So so when, when people go, oh, they should have thrown the fucking book at him, we often have to remember, like, his life has been on public display for how many years? Mm-hmm. And what do we know from reading, right, that's been confirmed? Like, the text messages about the shit that he was doing with his wife. Mind you, that was, I think that should remain personal. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to know about his his sexual escapades and what he was dealing with or what he liked or didn't like. That was personal, all right? We'll keep that much. I don't like the guy, but it doesn't mean that you have to make his whole fucking life public, you know? That was his thing. But still, it's out there. He's never going to be the same. What do you think, man? You know, yeah, some details are better off not known. But this is the same guy who, at the Republican National Convention, was leading the whole locker up chance. So, um, again, no sympathy. None. I don't care. Like, he deserves more than what he's getting. That's all I can say. Yeah, but for, for all the kids out there listening, you know, white collar crime does pay. So, you'll be okay. Yeah, it does pay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Don't don't do blue collar crime. How about this? Uh, crash your economy, blame it on immigrants, mm-hmm. and then um, get like fifth, you know, five thousand dollar bonuses. Yeah. Right, and then be like, oh, fucking brown people, right? <laughs> Fucked up our economy again, right? <laughs> they, they, they 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 run hedge funds, right? They're fucking brown people are fucking hedge fund CEOs and. Right. managers and shit and they just ruined the economy because they decided that hey it's okay to give um unsecured and very shaky and very fucking risky long term very long term mm-hmm. loans to people who um just did not qualify generally right right, right. yeah generally generally just speaking you were like you kind of are not the position to qualify for this loan, but hey, we're gonna give it to you anyways because thirty-year loan is is the lo- is the most riskiest loan in loan industry mm-hmm. is a home loan. Yeah, that's industry standard, right? And all and all of the economics class that are taught from West Coast to East Coast and from from any UC to to state schools or whatever mm-hmm. universities and state schools, that is the most riskiest loan. That is out there. Is a thirty-year mortgage. Why? 
because you don't know whether people are going to divorce, people are going to die, mm-hmm. people will default, fucking economy will crash, right? right? People lose their jobs. You don't know those things. There's so many factors built into them. Mm-hmm. And they were just giving them out willy-nilly and everything's okay. But no, the fucking immigrant stole your job. Right. Right. Wrecked the economy and stole your job. He literally walked in with the fucking handgun and took your job. <laughs> and this is why the economy is failing, right? But at the same time, the crime is also um, the reason for our drugs and our high crime and violent crime, too. So, which is it? I mean, are they taking your skilled labor job or are they um, giving the neighborhood drugs and killing people? I mean, or I suppose there's time in one's life to do both, but... Yeah, well, there's always there's always enough time to do both. Mm. By the way, because you got to shoot up drugs in one arm, fuck mm. with the other. No, yeah, fuck with the hips, right? Mm. And then boom, you got a baby coming out. Nice. And, and then, then hey, and gonna, then sign. Then you're on the system. Yeah, right. Cash in the checks. <laughs> yeah, right. and then cash in the checks with the other with the other There's hand, right? Your baby, right there. So with that said, um, we'll take one last quick lower break, and then we will return and wrap this discussion up. you all enjoyed that quick little break and we're going to move on in our closing thoughts on the movie report and then talking about some sports at the end here okay so uh, one thing else, my closing thoughts. yeah oh, one thing i was curious Sorry, about donovan um since you're the smarter one of the two of us do we actually have any chance as um taxpaying citizens of getting to see the actual unabridged Mueller report do you think that will actually happen? No. No. Unabridged? No. We'll never see an unabridged report. All right. Well, um, just like how we've never seen unabridged on MLK mm-hmm. or JFK, you know, on um, Iron Contra, 9-11. We're just not going to – we'll never see because there's too many moving hands. Was, was the Star Report on Clinton unabridged? Or was that also had some redacted parts? Or is that mostly public? No, it made it. It made it onto her dress. There was a. There was a shot. Um, nice joke, but Lewinsky, <laughs> Lewinsky, Lewinsky was Lewinsky was there for what she wanted, you know. Um, and she said it. F- funny thing about about the you know the Star Report was that um, um, Monica Lewinsky said that. You know, Kenneth Starr was a big, the biggest bully that she's ever mm-hmm. dealt with. You know, and so if you if you ever get a chance to 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 really read and look into Monica Lewinsky and um, how she was treated in the media, she does have a book and there's a lot of um, great articles out there um, of her and and about her experience. Read them oh. um, because she is she's she's also like the. Uh, she's a bit of an unspoken hero in all of this because she uh, she knew what she did. She knew that what she was um, um, involved in 
she knew that, right? Um, and but her downfall was that she confided in some very uh, suspect people that I would never have given my, you know, given my time to. And she did that because she thought they were her friends and they exploited that. And that was sort of her downfall was her her young, you know, naivete, I guess you can say. You know, uh, she, you know, again, we're getting widely off topic again, but she was actually recently and on uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. So look up the interview. Just, you know, it's, it's something that we still to this day, 20 some odd years later, make jokes about. But that was her life. Right, and she hasn't had it had she hasn't had a chance at a normal one since, and the fact that she's still a no, pretty positive will. person is quite amazing. So, um, yeah, if you don't have HBO, look up that John Oliver um, interview on YouTube. It's definitely worth your time. Yeah, definitely. But so definitely because she she'll never have. A but what you're her. saying is you, you don't think in any way, shape, or form we as a public will really get to some truth to the bottom of all this because um, as I see it at no point in the last few years has Trump actually acted like an innocent person. Um, if there truly was nothing wrong in that report, I don't see why Mitch McConnell would be blocking it. So again, it's government. Yeah, there's going to be cover-ups. I get that, but I don't know. Here's here's why is because there are probably um, some things in the report that are very um, sensitive to national security, mm-hmm. and so a lot of things will be redacted because they don't want to know who said what or how this came out because they don't want to um, release or show any type of intel, mm. you know, about how they got these things or certain things. And that's why that's uh, you can get this whole he'll blame Obama type of stuff, mm. you know, that comes out from him because because if he truly wanted to, he can declassify a lot of this stuff so they can see it and he can stop saying that. But um, Trump's a master manipulator. He's a master narcissist who knows how television um, works and um, uh um, he he is the classic case of um, of of how television works and how to manipulate it. He's he, he is the master case of it. Mm-hmm. You can just watch him, and you watch what he says or what he does, and boom, people the television follows him. And so, um, you got to just be careful of that, so that you're not falling into a stupid trap. And uh, you become dumb and you don't listen to anything else. You know? well, anyone who is already in his dumb trap is still there. But does this um, help his re-election bid in 2020? I kind of feel like it sort of does. Maybe not on a grand scale. It's too soon to tell. No, it's too soon to tell. Because the economy could tank. They talk, the economy could tank, and that's that's kind of a sad way of of going. Hey, this is all else can happen, but um, if the economy tanks and enough people blame him, he's not going to make mm. it. He's not going to make it because uh, he could keep blaming um, everybody else, right? Oh, mm. well, this or that, because 
that's what he does, right? He never take ownership and say I made mistakes. Here's the thing, though. He's taken owner. He's taken ownership and pride in the fact that the economy is doing mm-hmm. well, and a lot of people have have said, and including economists and both public relations, have said, easy on how on how you take acceptance for it because, um, when a president leaves office, okay, mm-hmm. there's often a number of years. It's like two, two years or so, um, before your um, policies come into effect. So your first two years are still coming off of the of what his of the of the past president's mm-hmm. policies were, okay? So you have that two-year transition, right? Mm-hmm. The second two years of your of your um presidency, you're finally starting to see the effects of your mm-hmm. policy. So unfortunately, and fortunately, we're seeing that um I'm not the biggest Obama fan, but you're seeing the effects of Obama's policies, uh, economic policies, affecting an American economy mm-hmm. up into his first two years, right? He's taking claim for them, which he has to be careful because now what happens is that he has this whole second uh, idea of this um, tax for this tax cuts, which Kansas did the same thing, and they watched their freaking economy f- go into a free mm-hmm. fall. And it fell all the way through to the point where they had to have the Supreme, the Kansas Supreme Court come in and say, hey, be, I don't care what's going on. You still got to fund these things because this is what our mandate says as their constitution. And you got to do that. And it was never this injection of, of life and, and, and um, into the economy like they thought it was. Well, if this is the same can thing. I, can I point something out real quick? Here in California, we did the exact opposite of Kansas. We put more taxes on our rich, and our economy went the exact opposite way. Tax your rich. You go up. Mm-hmm. And what happens? We get yeah. money. That we give to Kansas because they're a poor red state, yes. Yeah, and then, yeah, for every, um, what is it, um, for every $3 we send we get 50 cents something back like or something uh, only new york gets less yeah. than we do yeah again for our listeners yeah. and then the red states uh, red, new york yeah, is for another red blue states, state in case you're wondering yeah and then and then like alabama arkansas and texas and whatever you know they send 50 cents but get three dollars yeah, back those, well so yeah, yeah. they, they got to get their opi- opioids somehow yeah and so but yeah but we're the free right race. yeah I know. Yeah. I just fucking, it sucks because, um, um, the way California goes, rest of the nation type of stuff, right? Like the saying goes, but if people just can't follow our lead sometimes, mm-hmm. I admit we're a bit wacky. Oh, yeah. We're not going to ever, ever be perfect in perfect. this world. Never, never be perfect in this world, but it still sucks. It's, it's still really, um, uh, unfortunate. So. Yeah. Well, I think that was a pretty darn good political discussion there. Even if um, we're, we're still learning how to stay structured, but we'll get there. But I think nonetheless, our our discussions are entertaining and fulfilling as well. Um, with that said, real quick, at the end of our show, um, we're deep already into the March Madness NCAA basketball tournament. And uh, Donovan has a rant. So Donovan, take us away. 
and your hatred for the NCAA. Okay. NCAA can suck my dick. <laughs> this is not PG-13 rant right now on NCAA. <clears throat> when you think of an association, you're thinking of like, this is a type of uh, organization that's going to protect you, that's going to um, give an idea and structure on what the sport should be like. NCAA doesn't do that, okay? If you or I, you, Joe Schmo, were out there in this world and our profession was to be a basketball player, our profession was to be a football player, and our name was out there, okay? And all of a sudden, NCAA decides that, hey, we're going we're gonna to pair up with uh, VA Sports and we're going to come up with these games. And you know what? And your likeness is going to be on the game. And you know what? That sports game will make a million dollars, two million dollars, even five million in the whole long run, and you will not get one single penny of that. Why? Because you're a college kid. The fuck do you care? It is totally sad and irresponsible of us to think that way. Here are these kids that are just not college kids, as we stated before. These kids have been doing this since they were at least five years old or not younger. They've given up their... They have thought of one dream and one dream only, and that is making professional athletic sports, if not the pinnacle of college, so that they become coaches, athletic directors, right? sports team directors, CEOs, Owners of a team. But yet we tell them they are worth nothing in college. Is a sad state of affairs we have with the NCAA. They claim to protect students, but they do not. What do they do? They go after the most vulnerable. The ones that can protect themselves. The ones that have no money. Or some type of scholarship. Or hey, even in a, a Adidas is protecting them. Right? Latest example of the most famous NFL player that NCAA went after and he lost but yet still gained at the end of the day was Reggie Bush. Right? They went after his USC career and they said, you know what? What you did was wrong. You violated our rules so we're going to take back your Heisman. But guess what he still has? The best thing that you could ever get in NFL is the ring. And they can't take that away from him. That should show you the audacity and the absurdity of what the NCAA is. And that is my rant of the day. My bracket's doing okay. So there's that. I'm still in it. <laughs> You mean their free education doesn't count for nothing? Is that what you're saying, Donovan? Yeah, I don't count for nothing. I don't count for anything. Their whole structure in sports from high school until college, they get catered to. Mm -hmm. They have classes built around them. They're professors that work for them. That's it. You know? They get to they 
all get to to fifth period math. You know, they all get to second period English in high school. That's what happens. They go, it's all structured. And by the time they get to college, it's the same thing. They don't, they don't pick their schedules. Their schedules are already mm. picked. So when they say, well, I want to take, yeah, well, you got to make sure that thing fits into where we're at. So yeah, you can take that, but no, you can't. You mm. know what I mean? That's how it works. Oh yeah, we can substitute your that philosophy three hundred one, um, but you can't take that philosophy three hundred two. Why? Well, because it already falls into your football schedule, so you can't take it. That, that's how it works. Their whole life is scheduled, you mm. know. And then, and then you wonder why they can't make it when they get out, you know, and they act all buck crazy, is because they never had freedom. Their whole life has been scheduled since they were five years old. And that's how that's how their life is. Even as adults, as NFL players, what's their schedule? They got to go to practice, mm-hmm. right? They got to show up to trainings. They got to show up to meetings. They got to show up and do this or that. And then you wonder why some of these guys get in trouble. It's because they never had fucking freedom <laughs> of sudden and money. They have both freedom and money, and now they're acting a fool, right? And you're like, damn, what the fuck are you doing getting drunk and getting into your life? Right. And they're like, I've never had any time, right. right, to be a regular person, and they're getting busted for regular person shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, duh, you know? They act like regular fucking people. Well, so that was a great rant. Thank you for that. And then uh, maybe next week I'll keep everyone updated on my my bracket that I got going for basketball, even though I don't follow, follow college basketball. But it's like American tradition. You do a bracket anyways, and I did one. So we'll see how it is going to be a week from now. But um, that will actually conclude our episode for this week. Again, I want to apologize to everyone for my voice. Um it is what it is. I'm not sure if it'll get any better, but hopefully by next week it'll be normal again. Um, and we're actually going to work on getting a special guest in to join us next week for more fun. So until then, uh, any parting words, Donovan? Yes. Go Villanova. <laughs> They're <worry>. out. <laughs> They're done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for me, I get... the one time I actually went for Villanova, they freaking lose. Yeah, how, how many times did they win it? Like five times. In a no, row? two two in the last three years. So anyway, it's a Duke year. It's all about Duke this year. <laughs> um, oh, the Ant Eaters! The Ant Eaters didn't make it. Where were we at with the Ant Eaters? Who, who are the Ant Eaters? Irvine. 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 Yeah. I think. I think. They might still be in it. They may have lost. You're going to make me... Okay, hold right, on. Let me... Hold on. Go ahead and do an update. Look. look let me up. check. Okay, I'll check. This is a this is an Uppy and Stash live update. The, As we see. Do you see Irvine? Because I, I do believe that they are playing um, Oregon. I think that was their, their... I'm on my bracket now. Let's see... It looks like they must have lost to Oregon, I'm guessing. 
Oh, excuse me. Um, let me actually check it out. Yeah, they um, they lost in the second round to Oregon, seventy three to fifty four. Okay. But good job, UC. Right they won the first game. They screwed me over on that one. I didn't have a winning. So thank you, UC, UC Urban, for nothing. <laughs> That's my prime words. Thank you. Thank you for nothing, UC Urban. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, UC Urban. <laughs> Go and eaters. Bork, 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 bork. I didn't realize that was their mascot. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell is Donovan talking yeah, about? Bork, 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 bork. Yeah, all good. <laughs> if you ever go to Irvine and they do that, oh, it's God, it's weird. Anyways, <laughs> uh, come down to Southern Cal. We'll show you what's up. <laughs> I, I, I come down to SoCal. I just want your beer. Show me your beer. Oh, I got a lot Perfect. of beer. Uh, awesome all right well everyone thank you for joining us yet again and then um until next week and i actually watched the treatment show recently so i'm gonna get this right good afternoon good evening and good night peace Baby, here I am again Kicking dust in the canyon wind Waiting for that sun to go down Made it up more Holland Drive Hell-bent on getting high High above the lights of town You and tequila make me crazy Run like poison in my blood One more night could kill me, baby One is one too many One more is never enough Thirty days and thirty nights Been putting up a real good fight There were times I thought you'd win It's so easy to forget The bitter taste the morning left Swore I wouldn't go back there again You and tequila make me crazy Run like poison in my blood One more night could kill me, baby One is one too many One more is never enough When it comes to you all the damage I could do It's always your favorite sin That do you in
And tequila. You and tequila. 